Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast for women in ministry and leadership. We hope you'll leave today's conversation knowing that you've found a community of women who understand the dynamics of your ministry life, in marriage, in family, and in the day-to-day. We want you to finish strong, so let's talk and let's redefine sanctuary. Welcome back to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, friends. I am Bridget, and I'm your host for today's conversation, and I am so anxious to jump into today's content. We welcome back Sanctuary lead team member Casey Graves to the podcast. And Casey, as I was preparing for this conversation, I went back and I listened to our very first episode together, which happened to be episode two of this podcast. But when we, it was number two in our publication, but it was actually the very first conversation that I recorded for this podcast in season one. And you were there on the maiden voyage of Let's Talk. So uh, there was some I was kind of fumbling around to learn how to be an effective host, but I have to say, Case, that there were some very, there was some rich content to be discovered there, and you did such a great job of tenderly encouraging and challenging the listener to crawl back out, essentially, of the cave of brokenness, hurt, and fear to surrender and embrace all that God has asked each of us to do. And your book, Perfectly Weak, is still such a beautiful resource. Now, seven years old, I can't believe that. But something that I continually recommend to women in leadership, and especially to ministry wives. We give it away often at our Let's Retreats. It's something that has been such a blessing to so many women. So Casey, welcome to the podcast. And today we're going to visit a topic that I think has been written about. It's been talked about prayed about so very often, but it's something that we can't possibly write, talk, or pray about enough, in my opinion, and that is the lie of comparison. But before we jump in, I want to just fill our listeners in a little bit about who you are, Casey. Casey Graves is a pastor's wife. She's a church planter and a mama who lives in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And this year, she celebrates 25 years of ministry and marriage. She loves spending time with her husband and two teenage daughters. She enjoys the remarkable people she gets to pastor at Foundations Church and leading the FC Women's Ministry. She's found God has facilitated healing healing in her life from hurts in ministry through the process of planting Foundations Church. And I know you're going to bring so much of that healing to today's conversation. Thanks so much, Casey, for being with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I think this is going to be so great. You know, Casey, when you and I were considering the content for today's conversation, I kind of gave you a few topics that I wanted to address and gave you the opportunity to think and pray over what direction you felt prompted to speak to. And you settled on comparison. So share with us a little bit about why this is a subject that is tender to your heart. I think it's because it has taken me taken me the full 25 years in ministry to finally uh, be comfortable in who I am in ministry. Mm. I've always compared myself. I've always felt less than because I wasn't a pastor's kid. So I wasn't raised in ministry. I, you know, so I didn't grow up. I didn't play instruments. I didn't sing. Um, I hadn't taught before in a church. My husband is the dynamic personality type. And I'm more of a behind the scenes, introverted, one-on-one person. And it took me a very long time to feel like I was good enough to be in ministry. Because I would just compare to 
these loud bubbly pastor's wives, these mm-hmm. pastor's wives that have been teaching Sunday school since they were born because they were PKs. And I just really didn't feel like I measured up. And it took a really long time for God to really get through to me that I made you the way you are on purpose for this calling, for your husband, for this church, for your kids. And you, you are good enough because I have called you and equipped you. And I had to be comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. And it really is just recently that I'm comfortable with me. And it was through starting Foundations Church because I had been so hurt, which that also fueled, well, I must not be, something's wrong with me. I must not be good enough. I'm not good at this. So the last 10, 15 years have been very much so me being comfortable and just being me. And I can minister just being me. I can lead women. I can teach. I can stand next to my husband as a leader of the church being me. I don't have Mm -hmm. to try to be like other people. That was really hard for me. And I still have to work on it. You know, it doesn't take much for Satan to squeeze in there and be like, but look, Mm-hmm. You're not like them yeah. because I'm not, I'm quiet. I'm an introvert and I, and I have learned to extrovert. I do it very well. People don't believe that I'm an introvert, <laughs> but I am. And so that's kind of hard in ministry when you're up against all these big personalities and I'm not one. Yeah, I completely understand that. And I think that that is probably a chair that most ministry wives sit in and don't realize that most ministry wives sit in it. You know, like we, we somehow assume that was the case when you and I started in ministry 25 years ago. It's probably more so the case now where we have so much access to the life that everyone else is leading and the ministries that they're all producing, so to speak, that kind of thing. Would you agree? Yes, for sure. I do think it's helped a bit though, because then you can see the positive side of all of that access is you can see other people that are like you. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to be one type. There are lots of different types. So that has helped a little bit for me. True. I think that's important to note as well. Do you think that women have a tendency to compare themselves to other women more than men compare themselves to other men? You know, I I do. And I I only have my husband to reference. You know, he's very, um, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I don't care what people think about it because I'm following what God says. And I'm very much not like that. (laughs) Um, You know, like in my book, I wrote that I was focusing all on what I wasn't instead of what all God saw in me. And I tend to focus with the comparison topic Mm -hmm. on what I lack and see what other people have. And I, I do think that women do that more than men. I think that we care. It's a good thing. We care, but we tend to care too much what people think and tend to try to morph ourselves into how can I please you? And that might be personality-based and not men-women-based, but like I do think women tend to struggle with that more. Yeah, perhaps there's just a little bit of that ego drive in men that keeps them in that lane a little bit more, departed from their temperament even as much as just their lack of awareness sometimes of what everybody else is doing. I've told my husband, and, and I agree with you, while Creston is not as that dynamic and, and, and extroverted type personality, even as your husband, Justin, there is a determination in him that does not really care what other people think about what God has called him to do. It's not that he doesn't consider what people think. It's just that it do, it's not going to impact his decision. And I... I'm built in a pretty strong temperament 
And on the outside, it's going to look probably as though I don't care what other people think. But that's really, nothing could be farther from the truth. Like, I genuinely do think about it. I, I have kind of this stalled compass on what is going to be the right thing to do. And I'm, I can't allow myself to not do that. Like that's just kind of an internal fortitude, but it's going to be swimming upstream against all the things in my head that I know everybody else's or that I perceive that they're thinking about it. And that's just really the struggle more than anything is that sometimes we're making our comparisons based on what we think other people are thinking. And it may be completely unjustified. Yes, I agree. And I do think with women, I know a lot of loud, boisterous, out there personality women that have the same thing that outwardly sure. not showing it, but there's still that swimming upstream battling in their head. What do they think? Is this the right decision? You know, instead of being more like, I know I have confidence in who God made me to be. And in this step I'm taking, and it's not a disrespectful, I don't care what you think. It's right. more of a, I care so much what God thinks that I'm doing this anyway. That's a good way to say that, Casey. I like that a lot. I feel like there's healthy competition that can be of value to help us to grow, to challenge ourselves to do maybe something that we didn't think that we could do before. But there's the distinct difference between competition and comparison. So what do you really think is the difference between the two? I love this question so much because I'm a very competitive person. I'm kind of quiet if unless you're around me with any sort of competition. <laughs> And then I'm super competitive and I love competition. I feel like competition propels us forward. It causes us to dig deep and accomplish something we didn't think we could. Competition causes us to push ourselves for personal growth. I think that's healthy. I think comparison does the opposite for me. For me, comparison makes me shrink back. Mm. Comparison makes me go, oh, I... I cannot accomplish that. You are way better than me at that. It makes me stop moving forward because I feel less than. With competition, I'm like, you know what? I can take one more step. I can do that. Uh, I can push myself. But comparison makes me feel less than. And then that invites fear to sink in and, and just say, no, you, you're not good enough. You can't do that. They do that way better. So just let them do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that's what I think the difference is. What does healthy competition look like? in ministry, do you think? You know, because I think we think competition, it's just like what maybe businesses would do. But in ministry, what does healthy competition look like, whether it's among ministries or ministers themselves? I don't know. That's really tricky because, you know, we're all on the same team. It doesn't feel like it all the time, but we are. Mm -hmm. We're linking arms together in Christ to, you know, come after the enemy of this world and, and bring people to Christ. And so I think if I, that's a hard question, but if I were to answer what came to my mind is it's us against the world, us against the enemy, linking arms with other churches, other pastors, other ministries to reach more people is a healthy competition. It's like, you know what, Satan, we're not going to let you win. We're going to keep fighting, even though it looks like we're losing, even though yes. this isn't going well, I'm going to reach out and ask for help from someone else. Yes. Because we are competing in air quotes for the same thing to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Mm -hmm. So I think sharing methods that work and helping other ministers, churches, ministries when we can. Yes. Maybe recognizing who your team members are and what the adversary is or who the adversary is. I think <laughs> this may be kind of a silly example, but I remember years, years ago when that show, uh, Biggest Loser, came on and we watched that some uh, early on and 
here's these uh, people who are basically fighting all for the same thing. They're all fighting for their lives back. They're all fighting for their health back. And yet so many times within the, the stretch of the reality competition show, they are placed on teams, teams which puts them in a team together with other people that are reaching for that same goal, but they're also being pitted against another team that's reaching for that same goal. But through the whole thing, the goal remains the same. Everybody is still fighting for their health. They're all still fighting for their life back. And so to you watch them in those moments where it's like, I do want to lose more weight than you do, but you're on my team and I want you to succeed. And so I'm going to help you through this obstacle course and I'm going to cheer you on, even though we know you are causing us to lag behind in the team competition. And so really that's, you know, understanding what competition is, is understanding what the enemy or the adversary is and being able to, to link arms, like you're saying, that's so, so powerful. So talk to us a little bit about your own personal experience with the live comparison. I know you shared this a little bit in the beginning, but can you share maybe some areas where you've personally battled this specifically, maybe even currently or in those younger years? Well, I kind of explained just, I just never felt like I was like the cookie cutter pastor's wife. I always felt like people wished they had a different leader or, you know, when I was first started, I was really young. I was 21 and we were youth pastors and there were kids that were 18 and right. I was like, I can't really lead you. And then their parents and the adult leaders that had been leading in youth ministry for 10, 15 years. And I'm brand new. This is my first job, you know? Um, and then we went through several different churches where we were hurt and injured. And each time that happened, it made me feel like, okay, I'm not cut out for this. Okay. This mm. I'm, I'm not, apparently I'm not what they need. So I just had to keep battling that. But ultimately to the answer to that question is the biggest struggle I feel like is in my mind, overcoming what I think versus what God thinks and using the word to combat that like it's like do I really believe God called me do I really believe God equips me do I really believe I'm made in his image I have been anointed and equipped to do everything he's called me to do or am I going to shrink back and believe what I think and it's a discipline it's a daily discipline of meditating on God's word knowing it using it as my sword and walking in victory by believing God made me to do this. Everything about me is usable for Christ's kingdom. And Absolutely. stop looking at other people. Stop mm -hmm. looking at what they're doing. Stop looking at how they do it because I'm here. God put me here in my church and my family to do his work. And it's a trust issue. Either I trust that or I don't. So it's a trust issue. Yeah, it is. It's hearing his voice over those voices in our head and the voices perhaps of others. What do you feel like are the primary hurdles to silencing that loud voice? Why do we listen to others' voices louder than the voice of our Father and His Word? First of all, we can hear them louder because <laughs> they're here in the present. You either hear someone's voice, and it's also an onslaught from the enemy because he knows what we're doing, that competition. We are racing to save as many souls as we can, and so he's in our face all the time. And it's a choice. It's a choice to wake up every day and Justin preached on remain yesterday. And you have to be in God's presence to reset your mind. And Romans eight, you know, I, I'm going to yield my mind to the control of the Holy spirit that I would have life and peace and not 
have the, a mind of the sinful nature, but I choose to dwell on his word, dwell on his, his, um, the truth, and then, you know, take those thoughts captive. But the thing is they keep coming. And so mm -hmm. you have to choose. I trust you. You are in control. You made me for this. I can do this because you are giving me strength and you have, that's the hurdle for me is, is that mental game of, I have to focus on what God is in me not who I am in myself, because I can only accomplish the things he's calling me to do because he and his spirit is accomplishing it through me. So yes. I think it's just a constant, um, I'm not relying on me. I'm relying on him. And it takes all the yeah. comparison out. Yes, because it's not a it's not a one and done choice. That that would really be nice. It but it is a daily decision. Sometimes it's an hourly decision. Sometimes it's a moment by moment decision, and that's why so much scripture is built towards that daily getting up and girding yourself with the whole armor of God. You know, I I I'm visualizing even just the boxer in the boxing ring who's got the coach on the sideline that's constantly reminding him, no pain, no pain. You're gonna do this. Like he already knows how to fight. He already knows how to do what he was trained to do like months and months and months for this epic moment, but he still needs someone there reminding him of what he already knows. And that's the 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 voice of the Holy Spirit, listening to that voice, as you sang louder than maybe so that it's doling down the voice that's screaming everything that is contrary to the truth of God's word. And I, that is so, so good. You know, recently I delivered a message in episode 62 about the challenge that today's generation faces, perhaps more so than even our mutual generation, Gen X, and that's the lack of space and grace to grow without this faceless panel of critics through the lens of social media and video platforms and all the things that are like that. So as you're raising daughters in this culture, Casey, at this moment of recording, we are facing high school graduation of our two oldest daughters, your oldest, Charlie, my oldest, Bonnie. So we're both kind of sitting in this seat. And then we have younger daughters coming up behind them. What are some of the challenges that you're facing that you think may be a little different than the ones that you faced as a teenager and young adult? What are the things that you're saying to your daughters so that they're not walking in at 21 and taking 25 years, as you're saying, to find this resolved for that lie of comparison? There's a lot of very, very negative things about the world that they live in, the social media, the constant access, all that. There are also some positive. The, the negative yeah. part is that everything they do is in the public eye. And here's the thing. When we were growing up, if you did something dumb, or just even posted a picture, or we didn't post pictures, had a picture taken. Your closest friends saw that. Mm -hmm. Their entire school, entire town, could be people in other states, could be people in other countries could see that. True. And everything is commented on. And being themselves is not good enough because the bar is always changing. There's always a new yeah. trend. There's always a new expectation. There's always more. It's never enough. And it's relentless it's always coming. So that's definitely very overwhelming and a definite negative. But I believe that watching my girls and walking them through this culture and dealing with that, what I have seen is in them is a resolve at a young age to, I know who I am. 
okay, mm. th- this is who I am. I'm struggling right now because this is the expectation and this is what the world's doing, but I know who I am. And they, they have a confidence in who we're raising them to be and a confidence in who God is calling them to be that I, I didn't have, I didn't have to start thinking about till I was like 30. I feel like I tell my kids all the time, you guys are developing things in your life that God didn't even have access to me to develop until I was like 30. Wow. Like, because they have to, they have Mm -hmm. to deal Mm -hmm. with comparison and relentless onslaught of the world that I didn't have to deal with until I opened myself up into church planting and pastoring. I definitely think there's a lot of it that's not healthy, but God is using it in this generation. I've seen to make them go, wait a minute. I see this, I struggle with this, but this is who I am. And and they may waver this way a little bit, but they come back to, no, this is who I am. I'm not going to let you change me because there's so much change coming at them. They're either going to get swallowed up or they're going to stand firm. And I'm really proud of them because no, they're not perfect and they do struggle, but I see strength in them that I never saw in me, which I love. It's almost like what you're saying, the conditioning is much more intense at a younger space. And so they're having to decide that and make that resolved, you know, like defining moment earlier than perhaps we were required to do. For sure. It's much harder. It's sink or swim much earlier. Sanctuary hosts quarterly local events called Let's Connect in the months of February, June, August, and November. These are casual dinner, lunch, or brunch gatherings hosted by ministry wives for ministry wives with the express purpose of connecting with those who live and serve near one another. Women in ministry need true, authentic friendships with other women who understand the lifestyle that vocational ministry requires. And Let's Connects are the perfect way to discover those friendships. Perhaps you are interested in forming a few friendships near where you live. You are just what Sanctuary is looking for, and our team is on the ready to help you get a Let's Connect event started. Girls, this is super easy, but undoubtedly worth it. Stop by Sanctuary today and click contact to reach out. We can't wait to connect with you. Let's just dig a little bit deeper now when it comes to comparison within the community of ministers. What types of things are ministers tempted to compare with their peers? I don't want to sound cliche, but like, sizes of ministries, activities that you're doing that we need to do. You do that bigger. Should I do that bigger? Um, Personalities. I mean, there's a lot of big personalities in churches and not that any of that's negative. It's just hard to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. Like just this is called, God has called me to do this, but you're doing that really well over there. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. that will work for me. Mm-hmm. It's And it's good to learn from each other. How did you make this woman's ministry event successful? That's fine. It's just, if you take your eyes off what God's put right in front of you and try to do what God's put in front of someone else, mm-hmm. that might not necessarily be the best thing for your ministry that God has given you. I, I completely agree. It, it kind of became a little bit of a joke. I remember, now I did grow up in a preacher's home. My dad was not a pastor for most of my raising, but he did hear from a lot of ministers that he was in leadership over. And it was, it kind of became a little bit of a joke that on Monday morning, pastors would be calling their 
air quote, minister friends, and talking about Sunday. And they would be discussing, well, how many, how many do you guys have? And the conversation of how many people were sitting in the seats was the measuring stick for ultimate who won successful weekend of, and, and there was never going to say that. They were never going to say, oh, well, you win most successful ministry, most impactful ministry of the weekend. But I imagine that there were several that got off the phone those days and said to themselves, we're, we're missing it. My buddy across the town or across the state or even across the nation is killing it over there. And I'm sitting over here pastoring this tiny church in this little town that's being left behind. And so he's obviously more successful in ministry than I am or what, what not. And now that's like we've been talking about magnified a little bit. You don't even have to call your buddy anymore. Usually you can just log on to watch their service. I know this is an unfortunate thing that many, many ministers do of logging on and watching other churches services to see how they're doing. And it's not with the best of intent, but I think that we compare ourselves in, in using Western business model measuring sticks to qualify what is success. And that is not the way God works. That is not his version of success. In fact, it's usually very counter, uh, counterintuitive to the way that we as humans consider success. And so that can be a huge, huge hurdle for us when it comes to um, creating an unhealthy competition, but beyond that, a brutal comparison game that nobody wins at, to be honest. What are your thoughts about that, even in regards to ministry wives? I just think that puts so much pressure mm, to, yeah. to be, when you watch on Facebook, people's, you know, highlights of their church, it puts so much pressure on you to be them again, which goes <laughs> right? back to, God, you called me to these people, to this town, to this church, and I'm doing my best and I'm relying on you to push me here. But when you look over there, it just puts a lot of pressure on you mm -hmm. um, to be who they are, do what they're doing. Cause it's working. It's working faster than what we're doing. And, you know, when we started our church plant, that was a little bit of pressure because other church plants were taking off faster, uh, mm -hmm. but never mind, nine out of 10 church plants fail, but that's not what we're going to look at. Not, you know, like, okay, we're still alive. They're not <laughs> right. But you look at the one that goes way faster than you. And you're like, how come they have a new building? How come they're running this many people? How can they hire that many staff members? And, um, it's one of the things God helps me with, with comparison is he keeps telling me we, we walk by faith and not by sight. So stop mm -hmm. looking at what you can see in the natural, stop looking at what other people are doing and you walk by faith, faith mm -hmm. in my word and trust in me that I'm in control of your future and what you're doing and I'm helping you. And that's all you need to look at. But it's really hard to put those blinders on and now look to the left or the right. What are you doing over here? What are you doing over here? Also, I, I feel like we've done, we're, we're planning a lot of churches in Africa and I feel like going over there, watching them and helping them it just changes your whole perspective and really squashes that comparison because you're right. The American culture of all is, is very difficult to compare and compete with. 
because a lot of it's not real. It's highlights on Facebook and you get the best, but you don't know mm-hmm. how, how they're struggling. Everybody's struggling and you don't feel like people are because you don't see it. You only see yeah. the good, but then you go to a place like Africa and you see a hundred kids, their lives are changed. You can, mm-hmm. you can feed them. You can give them a, a school. You can give them a church and that's not large numbers, but that's people's faces that you just realize this is my work. This is what God asked me to do. And it changes your perspective on the American church. You don't mm-hmm. really care as much what other people are doing when you can physically meet the needs of other people across the world. It helps to get outside of your little box and your little social media app. Mm-hmm. in the different parts of the world and see God moving. Absolutely. These are the mental games that we play with ourselves. And it's an, a game that no one really wins. I, I was thinking I have had to establish guardrails in my life that have helped me to kind of silence this lie. And of course it, it does, as you say, it does keep coming back up. But there are some things, I think back even before we had smartphones and things like that, there were other temptations for me to give into this lie. And one of them was my husband and I traveled many, many miles together. And so we had a lot of road time. And so I took a lot of magazine subscriptions at the time. And I would take these magazines in the car. And Creston would drive us, you know, Wherever we were going, we'd be in the car for hours, and so I'd be reading the magazines, and I would come across the house plans and maybe the occasional survey that was in the magazine. And inevitably, before I had finished one magazine, I was already kind of navigating through why our house didn't look like the house that was in the magazine. Or maybe I took the survey, why maybe we should be doing this in our marriage instead of that. Or maybe we're not spending enough time together with our children intentionally in this way. Maybe I should be doing that instead of just recognizing the fruit of what was right in front of me. And so I I eventually unsubscribed from those magazines because I realized that they were creating a discontentment in my own heart and life that otherwise was present without those other competing voices, those other things that were going to create sabotage in my life for contentment. So, okay, Casey, as we were preparing for this conversation, I sent over an article featured at Propel Women, and it was written by their chief of operating officer, Allie Worthington, on this very subject. And she gave a few anecdotes to comparison that I found to be so valuable And these are just practical directives that help us to break the habit of comparing ourselves to others. And so I'm just going to list a few of these before we move forward. First of all, she says to celebrate other people's success. And really, it's kind of counteracting that mindset that makes this about us. And she says this, she says, there's great amount of power that comes with not ruining your own happiness and by celebrating the win of someone else. And again, it's that choice that you were talking about. And the second thing was retrain your brain by shutting down negative talk. And so 
this was something that I saw in the article specifically that she said, when we start hearing the voice of comparison in our head saying, you'll never be as good as her, or your business won't ever be as successful as his, shut it down and replace negative thoughts with positive ones. And these are things that you and I both have been sharing. Number three, compliment, don't compare. And she quoted another reference, which said, whenever you find you are comparing yourself to someone else, you should go right up to that person and compliment them on the very thing you're jealous of or comparing yourself to. And listen, if we're being honest, women do this all day long. I mean, if I walk into a room and there's a sea of women, there will be one woman who is maybe a few pounds heavier than I am. Then there's also going to be another woman in the room who's a few pounds lighter than myself. Or there's going to be someone who looks much younger than I do. And maybe they don't have the wear and tear on her face. And I'm thinking back, man, I remember when I had more hair than I do now. Or I remember whenever I was multiple pounds lighter (laughs) than I am right now or I remember when my husband and I were young and in love or there's so many different things and if we're not careful we're telling ourselves justifying why she's not better than me instead of going I really like that about her and so Allie is challenging us to do that and the fourth thing was focus on your path Whatever you are meant to do and whatever path you are on is uniquely yours and the paths that other people are on are of no significance to yours. So Casey, here's these four things. When you hear those directives, which of them resonated the loudest with you and why do you think they d- it did? Number two, say number two again. Number two, it says retrain your brain by shutting down negative talk. That's, that's my biggest. That is what I had to actively do it's that second Corinthians 10, three through five, the weapons of this world are not, we have the weapons of the power of Jesus Christ and we can take those thoughts captive. And I memorized Romans eight, six, the mind controlled by the spirit brings life and peace. And I had so many scriptures. I would put them everywhere. I would read them. I would say them out loud. I would say no in the name of Jesus. I'd take that captive. I really dug into the word, wrote down promises after promises, memorized so much of that, that that's what brought me life. That's what kept me focused on the way, the truth is in life, what God had for me, what his calling was for me. And it, it would, it's not magic. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you use the word as a sword, use it. It's not mm-hmm. magic. You don't say the word and then you have no negative feelings. You have no comparison, but it's a continual meditation, a continual taking thoughts captive, a continual practice of using his word as a sword, like the Bible says it is. It is my weapon of choice and I will come after any thought. And here's the thing. I've been working actively on this since we planted the church 15 years ago. And I still have to do it every day. There's still something that will come at me Um, to try to steal my joy or to try to make me feel like I'm not good enough. I get comfortable sometimes. Like, so Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable in who I am. I do believe that I I'm created to do this. I'm fully confident in the Lord and myself now. However, I can get comfortable and be like, you know what? I don't really want to do that because it's hard. And I don't know that I can (laughs) do that. Well, I don't really like to do that, but that is Satan lulling me into, you don't think you can still. You Mm -hmm. still are comparing yourself to people that are better speakers, better leaders, have a brighter, louder personality. And I have to continually 
renew my mind in the word and use it. Um, so that is definitely my number one way to defeat comparison is, you know, the word. And like I said, when he corrects me, he corrects me with the word, like, don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. Does it matter mm -hmm. what you see them doing? You do what I've called you to do. Don't look at them. Look at me. He says that all the time. Don't look at them. Look at me. I love that. It's like yeah. with little kids when they get scared, you're like, don't look over there. Look at me. And mm -hmm. he, he, he teaches me like them. Don't look at that. You look at me. I'm telling you to do this. You can do it. Yeah. So I, that's, that's my favorite. All of those are great, but I don't feel like I can do the other three if I'm not letting the word of God change me. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. It's, it is, as, as the scripture says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal to the pulling down of strongholds. We cannot use things that make sense to us to break off the things that are really not even real in the natural, but taking down those thoughts, taking down those strongholds, because it can become a stronghold in your life when you are consumed with what other people think or what you think other people are thinking. I mean, it is a wrestle and we have to intentionally be warring against that. And, and we don't have to be in the defense on it. We can be, if we're intentional, like you're saying, not being comfortable, not getting too relaxed in this, but every day just taking up that armor, taking up that sword and knowing what God said. Oh my goodness, hearing his voice louder than, than others. That, that is so crucial. So crucial. Is there anything else, Casey, that you want to say about this before we wrap up today? I read that question and I was like, I think you have it covered. You have the best questions to bring out that my thoughts on comparison. So no, I really don't. Well, tell us something in just in the, maybe in the celebration of vetoing comparison in our lives. Tell us something that you are currently celebrating that we can celebrate along with you. Well, I've, feel like I let all that out at the beginning, but I do feel it this year we're celebrating 25 years in marriage and 25 years in ministry. And I am happier in ministry today, way happier than I was 25 years ago, or really along the way at all. I really love where we are. I love our church. I love our people. I feel like God has helped, like I said, heal me through my our current church. So I'm really happy to celebrate mm. both of those 25th anniversaries. And my oldest daughter is graduating from high school, like you said, and attending ORU this year. Well, this year. Yeah. And then <laughs> my youngest is getting, is turning 16 and getting her license. So big year for this mama. I'm yeah. actually struggling with that a bit, <laughs> a lot, not a bit. So I'm using God's word. I'm hanging on to that too, because we got some big transitions coming. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready for them. But again, I'm trusting that the Lord, he's not surprised. Yeah. I'm wondering what it would look like if we did feel like we were ready for it. And I don't know. There's, I've yet to discover a manual really that makes you feel ready for these size of transitions, but leaning on the Lord and definitely realizing that these, he works in seasons and man, so exciting. 25 years is a huge mile marker and to feel as though you are conquering the things that you never thought you would be able to conquer in your lifetime to be at this place and to be happier, as you're saying, in ministry and more fulfilled instead of more weary and ready to quit. I mean, at, at this juncture to be chomping at the bit to keep going, that is worth celebrating. And I love that. And we do celebrate with you today. And Casey, I just want to say thank you for always being 
true to who you are. You may not have seen that through the years, but I've always known that about you and have felt that there are so many things that are worth celebrating just in who you are. You're a person of discipline, a person of determination, and you are an anchoring point for your husband and for your kids and for the ministry. And you have been that for him all along, even in the moments when you felt like maybe you were doing it out of fear, God was using even your timidity, I think, in order to produce those great, great results. And so congratulations, you did, you're doing a great job and we're so proud of you and I'm proud to be your friend and just honored to share this conversation with our listeners today. I'll include show links to that first episode that we did together. And uh, of course you've been on, we, we had you back on when we talked as a team about some, uh, some of the greatest hurdles and conflicts for women in ministry. That was such a great, in fact, we did, that was two parts. And so I'll share the links for that. And then of course the conversation or the article rather that we shared, we talked about today in our conversation from Allie Worthington. I think that that is a great, great resource, no matter what station you're at in ministry or in your personal growth to have that kind of as a go-to guide is a is a tremendous resource be blessed to all of our listeners we thank you for being a part of this and for for being really our greatest allies in what is happening at sanctuary we're dependent upon each of you to create community and support for another ministry wife that you know and love so let's redefine sanctuary together If you've enjoyed this podcast and if your preferred podcast platform allows it, please take a moment before you clear the app and give us some stars and a quick review. This helps us get the word out to women in ministry and in leadership about this resource that is uniquely designed just for them. Second, I want to encourage you to stop by Sanctuary today and rediscover the unbelievable resources available just through our blog alone. Recently, I wrote a series called, Hello, I'm the Preacher's Wife. This series comes out of my 25 years of marriage and ministry life and my heart to better prepare the next generation of ministry wives by calling to arms my own generation as mentors. It's loaded with humor and candor, but will also challenge and refresh you no matter what season you find yourself in. Visit Sanctuary site at the link included in today's show notes.